The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. We'd all be asleep in the back seat and then dad would, would be passing the stadium and he'd shake us back there and he's like, boys, wake up. We'd wake up and he'd say, you see that stadium over there? He said, that's, that's where the professional baseball players play and maybe one day you boys can play there together on the same team. Let's pray and ask God to let that happen. The Benham brothers' childhood dream led them into professional baseball, but after hitting several obstacles, the hope of fulfilling the dream was crushed until a miracle occurred. For joining us on Life Today, I'm Betty, and this is James, and we have some really special friends oh, yeah. and special we, guests. Yeah, they're friends. I mean, they're our friends, but I don't know if they're friends. <laughs> they're twins, Sometimes. but I don't know if they're friends. They're friends. They are the uh, Benham brothers, David and Jason. Uh, you know, they had a their own television program, and they took a stand for truth, and sometimes some people said they didn't like them anymore. Kind of helped them to duck dynasty. Isn't it amazing that some people decide that we won't waver and uh, the opposition forces in the world, of the world, kind of come out against them? But uh, we shall not be defeated because we're more than conquerors and we're overcomers. And the Benham brothers, Dave and Jason, I knew their dad real well. He and I used to be troublemakers together years ago. <laughs> And, and boy, I'm telling you what, Flip was really something. And you know, he, he sowed a lot of great seed. But I got to tell you, because I know these boys well, these uh, men. Uh, and I'm telling you, they are the fruit of seed well sown for the right purpose, for his, God's kingdom purpose through us as believers. I want you to welcome uh, David and Jason Benham, and one or they'll tell you which one's the brighter, <laughs> the sharper. They'll let you know. Would you welcome David and Jason Benham like that? Good to have you guys back, buddy. Uh, Good to have awesome you, man. Being here. Yeah. Thanks for having us. All right, one of you take off. I mean, which one's going to be the lead tonight? Who's Thanks for applauding for me, folks. <laughs> Appreciate it. But I say the empty wagon always rattles the loudest. Oh. Uh, you know, and I really, and my favorite part of your show so far has been when she opened it up and we got a chance to hear Miss Betty. You're amazing, by the way. Behind <laughs> every great man is a great woman. Yeah, Isn't even well, great. We you. applaud your wife, which thank says you. a lot about you. Yeah. You're a great man. Are you gonna, are you gonna let him ask a question? <laughs> no, I wanna sit here and talk about him he, and his bride. He is yeah. the leader here. Yeah. Well, Betty's the leader, but go ahead, dude. Look, how come you dress sharp and he's got on his oh. old denim stuff? I, you know, he told me he was gonna wear denim with an undershirt and he's trying to go to this 50s throwback <laughs> and I'm like, look, you got to be modern. He has to wear nice clothes to distract you from his face. Oh. <laughs> Come on. But wait a second. Yeah, wait, wait, wait. Second. That's not right. It doesn't I kind of look like him. Let's talk about this. You know, I went to, went to school in uh, Marshall, East Texas Baptist University, and some of my first crusades and revivals were in Shreveport. Yeah. Queensboro. Yeah. Oh, you know, just, just lots of churches over there. What in the world happened for you guys in Shreveport? Well, I'll start, okay. and I'll just say in the context of the culture, 
So what Jason and I wanted to do with this book, our very first book was all about HGTV and what happened with our show. And, you know, in Matthew 5:11, Jesus said, blessed are you when men persecute you and falsely accuse you for they did the same to our fathers before you. And that's what happened with us. And so we tell that story. Our second book, we talk about how to help you build your story. But then this book right here, we deliberately left the Miracle of Shreveport out of both of those books because we knew it was standalone. Because in the context of the culture, if you read Isaiah chapter five, and it talks about darkness filling the land, what is right is now wrong, what is wrong is now right, good and evil have been exchanged. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie, as Romans one says. And in the end of that chapter, it says darkness fills the land. Even when one looks to the sun, behold, the sun is covered by the clouds. In that context, Isaiah chapter six, verse one, in the year of Uzziah's death, in other words, in the year of a major political reset, a political shift, 54 years Uzziah was king. Isaiah said, I saw the Lord. And he said, and he was seated on his throne and the train filled the temple and the seraphs cried, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. The earth is filled with his glory. So in the midst of darkness, he saw God and the earth was still filled with his glory. This, That's a great intro for me. Okay, then go ahead. <laughs> the beautiful thing about this is in this story, this covers about a 20 year period of history for us. When God gave us a dream, back when we were little boys with our dad, and our dream was to one day play professional baseball on the same team together, believe it or not, in the same stadium. And that stadium was in Shreveport, Louisiana, and it was a double A professional baseball stadium for the San Francisco Giants. The Shreveport captains played there. The reason why that stadium, we grew up right here in Dallas, Texas, and we would drive up I-20 every year to go vacation in Atlanta, Georgia with some of our family members, and we would pass that stadium. And it was usually about seven o'clock in the morning. We were driving in a ice blue station wagon, you know, where you could lay all the seats down Caprice in the back. Caprice classic. We'd all be asleep in the back seat, and then dad would, would be passing the stadium, and he'd shake us back there, and he's like, boys, wake up. Up. And we'd wake up and he'd say, you see that stadium over there? He said, that's, that's where the professional baseball players play. And maybe one day you boys can play there together on the same team. Let's pray and ask God to let that happen. Wow. And so we would pray together, the three of us. But now you were playing baseball and you were pretty good, right? Yeah, we, was we he were good a little too, bit. Or just no, he wasn't. No, he hit from the left side. He hit from the wrong side. I, I was definitely much better baseball player. But we had signed okay, to play. You did play. Okay. That's right. We went to Liberty to play. Right. And while we were going to Liberty, we would travel uh, up to Lynchburg in our little Isuzu pickup truck, and we would pass Shreveport on I-20, <laughs> and we'd see that stadium. And of course, I would have to lead the prayer. Jason didn't quite have the faith, but but we would pray, Lord Jesus, one day help us to get to that stadium and play together on the same team. Well, then after Liberty, I well, got let me let me stop there real quick. Well, you know, the reason why he would lead the prayers, he always had to repent of something to begin with. So I had to, he had to go ahead and get that out of the way. But you know, part of part of the story is is that, you know, here we were twins and uh, come about our senior year, David got drafted by the New York Mets. He was a catcher, had some really good pop times. I had thrown my arm out as a junior in, in, high, school. in high school. What were you pitching? You know what? I, was, uh, I wasn't pitching at the time. I was playing outfield, okay. and I threw the ball as hard as I could, and it was waterlogged ball, and I tore my arm. Anyway, mm. well, that caused my—I couldn't throw as hard as he could. So for our senior year, he got drafted. I didn't, and I remember sitting in church. <laughs> I'm going to be a little vulnerable here. I was crying in church because I didn't get drafted. David got drafted. We both ended up signing to play baseball at Liberty. Come our junior year, David gets drafted again by the Mets, but I didn't. See a pattern here? 
<laughs> and he's being vulnerable, but it doesn't matter. I'm his twin brother. I can pour salt on the wound. Okay, go but ahead. I'm still a hero. You're the not going to okay? cry, are you? <laughs> but anyway, so that was a very difficult time for us. And it just kind of shows you, you know, the pattern of a dream and a vision. And you guys have seen this probably in your own lives where you have the birth of a dream, the death of a dream and then the fulfillment of a dream. And when it's fulfilled, it doesn't always look exactly as you originally thought, you know, because God pivots you at times. But when, when you experience the fulfillment of a dream after you've properly died to a dream, and, and I had to die to this dream of being a professional baseball player and playing with him in the same stadium when I was a senior in high school. I had to die to it when I was a junior. Then I get, ended up getting drafted as a senior, and he did as well. And <laughs> But yet then I broke my leg in my second year in pro ball. (laughs) Snapped my leg in half. It was awful. (laughs) Then the very next year, I got released by the Baltimore Orioles. You have a heck of a life. I know, know. right? Do you feel bad? Listen, I want Betty to give up and give give me a hug. I need a hug. I need a hug. So so we tell the we tell the story and we're really journeying through Jason's life on on how I had I was drafted by the Red Sox when he was drafted by the Orioles, but then I immediately got traded to the St. Louis Cardinals. And they shot me right up to big league spring training. I was <laughs> playing with all the big guys and and there's Jason down in the minor leagues. He had broken his leg. Now he's trying to rehab. And I mean, he's, his back's against the wall. It's now, really tough. Now, David was the only minor league player to ever play tailback in baseball. <laughs> He'd run on the field and coach would say, hey, get your tailback in here, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. You like that? He's laughing. He's that was a legitimate belly laugh. Louis, but were you weeping over him? Was it just tearing no, you? It was, okay, so it was our dream. Yes. It was our dream to play together. Get together. <laughs> <laughs> so dad birthed this dream in us when we were kids and we had a granddad that came to all of our baseball games so it was you know it was generational and and we wanted to play pro baseball together on the same team especially in Shreveport because that had been something ever since we were little kids we'd always prayed about and that had been something that we really wanted but now in the minor leagues and now Jason gets released by Baltimore and and I'm with the Cardinals and playing in the minor leagues with them it's just not going to happen until Two weeks left of my season in 2000, the year 2000, Jason was done. He had spent the summer coaching a, a, a collegiate team up in Connecticut somewhere. He said he was miserable every day because he knew he could still play. <laughs> but finally, through that summer, he had died to the dream. And I called him and I said, hey, there's two weeks left of my season. Why don't you come watch me play? <laughs> so he comes to Little Rock, Arkansas in flip-flops, a tank top, and some shorts. Two days later his life and completely changed. So did mine. And that's what the book's all about. And I'm not going to tell you anymore. Spoiler alert. Tell us something about it. Let's get back to that stadium. Yeah, let's get back to the stadium. So two weeks into that, two weeks left of that season, uh, I remember David, I stayed with him while at his host family's house and he got up one morning and said, hey, let's go take some batting practice. And I said, man, if I pick up a bat, the, the, I'm already dead to this dream. I don't want to arouse this thing again. Well, I, he convinced me to do it. I picked up the bat. We went out to the field really early. He started throwing me batting practice. And I-35, no, which, which it was I-35, where yeah, we were in Little Rock, Arkansas. I-35 went right past the stadium. And I was hitting balls out onto the stadium. And I was like, dude, what'd you do this for? Putting windshield out. Yeah. <laughs> what'd you was, do this for? I, I never, he, he wasn't, he never really hit home runs. So I mean, he was shocked. It was just more the same for me, just more home runs. Anyway. And, um, and so what we did was we got down on our knees 
in center field, which was a habit for us. We had done this all through college. We had done this all through um, um, high school baseball. And now in professional baseball, we, we got on our knees and we said, God, we ask that you would somehow, and David was praying, you would somehow allow Jason to get signed to play for this team with me. And now that's, how is that going to happen? I'm literally now, sitting in the stands. How is even praying for you? <laughs> well, that's a good question. That's right. Sounds Bless like those a... who curse you. Do good to a <laughs> very fatherly <laughs> man. Yeah. All right, well, so what happened? So we got down and we prayed. And uh, that night I'm sitting in the stands. And the, I was an infielder. And the infielder for David's team at the time, this Cardinals double A, uh, his name was Alex. He was running to second base and he slid into second base and he sprained his wrist. Okay, and I remember him getting up and they had to kind of help him off the field and David comes back down into the bullpen and I said, what happened? He said, Alex messed his hand up. So David went back into the dugout to find out what was going on and, and they said Alex was gonna be done for the season. So David walks back down to me and I was thinking in my head, I know how to play that position, you know? <laughs> And so that night we prayed. We said, God, if there's somehow, some way, you know, I, my wheels were starting to spin mm. because when you pray, you've got to then expect. Mm. Now, expecting, knowing, God, not my will, but yours be done. But you are powerful enough to make this happen. <laughs> but well, still holding to this dream we had ever since we were kids, knowing yeah. that we had prayed about it. We prayed about it with our dad. We prayed about it all through college. Even whenever we got drafted, we were like, Lord, I don't know how you're going to make this happen because Boston and Baltimore don't even have teams that play in Shreveport. So now I get traded to St. Louis, Jason gets released, and now we're back together, and he's now the stage Now, is this set. team that David is on is in the Texas League, which they play against Shreveport. Now, I didn't know when they played against Shreveport or if they already had or anything we like that. We hadn't even so, paid attention to that. Two days later, David had already gone up to his coach. I convinced him, I said, please go tell co your coach that to sign me because if you sign me then they don't have to bring guys in from other teams and You're there's a domi there. domino effect. <laughs> but you have to understand yes. that I was a double-A catcher in Major League Spring Training at the beginning of the season. I'm one phone call away from the big leagues. How does it sound to go up to your coach and go, hey, sign my brother. <laughs> the guy over there sitting in the stands eating a burger with his flip-flops on, sign him. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's just not very yeah. cool. Two but days, it happened. Two days later. <laughs> but I asked. We got a phone call. They said, bring your brother to the field. I signed with them. I played two games there with, with Shreveport. I mean, excuse me, with Little Rock. Let me, let me say the first, before we even get to that point, because I know we've only got three <laughs> minutes. That night, we're playing against the El Paso Diablos, the Arizona Diamondbacks. That was their double-A team. They had a big six-foot-seven lefty that was on the mound. I mean, he was throwing hard. He was going up to the big leagues at the end of the season. And uh, he had a no-hit shutout going into the sixth inning. And Hammer screams. And, and oh, by the way, it was uh, fraternity and sorority night for the University of Arkansas Little Rock because all the kids had come back in. Now, this is the end of August. They're coming back in for school. And the stadium was packed. Thousands of people there, and the place is going nuts. And Hammer screams. Hammer's our manager. Oh, sorry. Hammer's our manager. And he screams, Benham! And he does this, which means pinch hit. So I naturally, I'm a, I swing from the right, hand, right side. I get up, and I'm putting my you know, batting gloves on, getting ready. He's, and he screams, no, your brother! Yeah. <laughs> and Jason is in the dugout, and he goes, <laughs> I wasn't expecting to actually play. He you know? had... He hadn't, seen a, he hadn't seen a live pitch in four months, <laughs> let alone come up against a big 6'7 lefty throwing 90-plus, a no-hit shutout. So Jason then 
grabs some batting gloves, grabs my bat, gets somebody's <laughs> helmet, and walks up to this top step, and he looks back at all the guys and goes, boys, I'll be right back. <laughs> I wasn't planning on doing much. But listen, let me, let me finish this up. You know what? First pitch swinging, I hit a double off the center field wall. Broke up the no-hitter. Give me something right here. Broke up the no-hitter. But here's the beautiful part of that story. Just after I got done interviewing with the paper after the game, I'm sitting in the locker room with David. I'm thinking, this is so weird. We're wearing the exact same jerseys. We're on the same team. Our manager comes walking in. He says, boys, hey, great game tonight. I want everybody here to the field early tomorrow. We're going to be taking off on the bus. Shreveport's a short distance from this stadium. Mm -hmm. wow. We had no idea we, we were going to Shreveport. Totally didn't realize we were going to now, there's a lot more details in there. Than yeah, and I think what out. the main part of the book, because that's just phenomenal, but in my opinion, your dad made a profound impact on the culture. That's right. That's actually building more and more now. Mm. He was uh, about as strong a right-to-life person as there was on the planet, and you guys are, and you are impacting the culture. Would you say thanks to God and to these guys for being yielded to God? I love and respect you too as much as any two people I know. And I think you are gifted beyond imagination. I think, are you in real estate right now still? Yes, sir. And where if people want to buy a home where you are, they want you to help them, where would they go? BenhamBrothers.com. And that's all they need to do. Do you ever shop outside your own area where you live? Do you try to help people? Occasionally, Find yeah. the right people. Yes, sir. But where are you housed? Where, where's your home Charlotte, office? North Carolina. In Charlotte. Are there homes for sale in Charlotte? And are there people that need homes in Charlotte? <laughs> there are. You looking to buy or something? <laughs> <laughs> you want to we'll sell you anything you want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they can find the Benham Brothers. BenhamBrothers.com. I want you to pray for these guys, those of you here and all of you. You do everything you can in every way to support them and what they do. Would you say thanks again to the influence and the fact that Christians are going to stand up today. I believe more together like a family than ever in history. We have been putting God's arms of love around the most desperate people on the planet. Let me just say to you, I believe the viewers of life today reveal more compassion and more unselfishness than any identifiable group of people that I have ever come across. And I want you to look right now and know that you are, you not only hold the answer, you're the answer to the need you're gonna see. And I believe you'll rejoice in the fact that you can be a miracle today. In impoverished areas of Southeast Asia, all too often, girls like 15-year-old Srey Nang fall for too-good-to-be-true offers of a better life in the city. It's most often presented as an honorable job, but is soon discovered as something much darker. ไปได้เอจายคนใหญ่เจ้าอยู่ในเครือมายังชื่อก็นอนบ้านยังสกจะนึกเตยบ้านเคยใช้บ่าวเคยเคยจัดสาวตกลงเตียงนั่งรอบ
ายต่อสู้แล้วดับเบิลจอมกนAnd I, I know many times during the daytime hours, there are women who are watching the show. Thank God for you. But I can't help but think that they're individuals or couples. I wish I could take you home, honey. I'd take you home. Uh, we'd put arms of love around you, pretty little girl. You're beautiful, and we're so sorry you've been exploited because you're such a beautiful person, and God loves you so much. And he wants to heal your hurt, Betty. Wouldn't you just like to take her home? Absolutely. My heart, as a mother, goes out to her. She said, "I just want to talk to my mother. I want to see my mother." And yet she can't. Her her whole life changed the moment she was captured and put into that captivity, and her innocence was robbed, taken from her against her will. And I just say, God, please help these precious little ones. We have five. Beautiful granddaughters. We had two beautiful daughters. We have two beautiful great granddaughters. I can't even imagine them having to experience something like this. It would crush me. Well, this should crush us because we're Christians that care about the little ones. We want to help them. She feels hopeless. We need to offer them hope, and we can. So I hope you'll join with us. Let's offer them some hope. See, because of of. Uh... Just the love of God in people—it's very real. It's not religion; it's relationship with a God that is love. And people who know that love want to express it. And just think about it: there are literally hundreds and hundreds of mission workers and relief workers who have left all the comforts of whatever country they were in. Many of them in the United States, and Canada, and South America, and places in Europe. And they have gone there as mission workers. To rescue them, and and they're asking us to simply enable them to be able to have a place to take the girls, and it is unbelievable. I mean, it's a house of destiny, of hope, and it's just it's just amazing. It's what love does, and thousands and thousands of girls like that now have been reached, and rescued, and restored. Many of them now grown with their own families. Many of them teachers. Some of them are professors. Some of them are community leaders. Transform the love of God. Here's what it takes. It's $128 a year to rescue one, and and we're targeting this year to put God's arms around thousands. And you know what some of our supporters said? We will match the first $320,000 that comes in. If $128, and if you can give that, I'm asking you to do it, because that'll that'll take care of one we rescue and take care of them for a year. Here's the thing: it'll now be two. If you give 64, it's 128. And then, if you know me, I'm going to ask you if you possibly can. Let's rescue 10. That's $1,280. Now it'll be 20. There's a level at which you can help. We have some gifts to send you to bless you. 
but you're giving these precious ones the gift of freedom, a new life because of love. God's love channeled through you. Would you go right now, please? Get your bank card, dial that number, or go online and use that card like a check. If you write a check, make it to life. But call us, please. Call us and tell us you're putting it in the mail. And remember this, it'll be matched. It'll be doubled. Please rescue that girl and hundreds more like her. Thank you for doing it. Innocent children and young people longing to be loved and cared for are being abducted and sold at the hands of violent predators. Their spirit and bodies broken under horrific emotional and physical abuse. Through Mission Rescue Life, you can reach out to warn children vulnerable to sex traffickers. You can help rescue those already enslaved. And you can help restore young lives and give them a future. And now, a generous opportunity of a $320,000 matching gift means your gift of $128 to help rescue a child will be matched to help two children. Your $64 gift will be matched to help rescue one child from the horrors of human trafficking. And a $32 rescue gift will be doubled to $64. With your gift, we'll send you the Age of Promise. Randy Robison reveals 10 promises woven through all of Scripture that will transform the way you view God, yourself, and others. With your gift of $128 or more, you'll receive the Prayer is Powerful wood plaque. This unique Scripture art piece is printed on premium birchwood, a beautiful reminder of the power of prayer. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,280, which will now help rescue 20 children and you may request the beautiful Bridge of Faith framed canvas print by Thomas Kincaid. Please call, write, or make your secure gift online today. Well, I just want to say thank you. Um, I wish you could know the thanks that comes from these precious girls when they have a new future. We're sending the book, The Age of Promise, that our son Randy wrote. I think it's a wonderful book. Many of you would like to have this incredible story. Uh, it is supernatural. I think David and uh, Jason are two of the greatest soldiers of the Lord Jesus on the planet. And they will inspire you. If you'd like to have it, you help us help those that are really trapped in prison. Glad to send you the book. Because you can get it in the bookstores, get one for a friend. But if you'd like us to send you one because you share life, you just ask for it. Would you join Betty and me and send thanks to Ben and Brothers. Guys, I love you. Y'all come anytime you write something or you just passing through and you want to share, okay? Okay, you got it. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you so much for helping. Thank you from the bottom of our heart.
Ambassadors for Life are people like you who see need in the world and want to do something about it. Contact us to start a fundraiser today and change someone's future. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.